0: Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, living water for a thirsty world.
1: I'd like to begin, actually, today with a public confession. I think that's good for our church from time to time, honestly. It's been almost 10 years since God started Liquid Church. There were actually, uh, a decade ago, just eight of us, and now there are a lot more. And in that time, over the last 10 years, I think, um, I think my greatest sin against the people of Liquid has honestly been my, um, my lack of dependence on the Holy Spirit. If I was going to tell you what, what I think has grieved the heart of God, what honestly in my life has demonstrated immaturity, it would be my lack of dependence on God's Spirit. I just wanted to say that, honestly. Uh, just let you know that. Uh, ask your forgiveness. Ask you to even pray for me because um, the more I've just been saturating myself in the Gospels and, and, and seeing actually the Spirit's role in the life of the early church, in reflecting on my own just kind of lack of dependency on, on, on God's power and just this. This kind of heavy reliance on my own strength and ideas, some of, them, some of them good, but the more I'm aware that we need God's Spirit more than ever in our church. And uh, there's no gross failure or, or, or sort of some, you know, some sort of sin prompting me to say this to you. It's not a, a dramatic confession. I just felt led to honestly begin by telling you I feel like we have come to the end of a chapter, uh, a season in our life together, um, personally I am probably at the upper limits of my human wisdom on how to lead this church effectively, which is scary on one hand. I mean, when you think about it, no one likes to think that they have limitations. And yet, as I read scripture, I see it's an incredibly exciting place to be because it means actually that God has to show up to lead me, to lead all of us in in a brand new way. And uh, I'm asking God to just do kind of a new work in my life as you're As your lead pastor, I thank you for your patience, and uh, I'm a relatively young guy, I'm 38 years old, I've been a Christian most of my life, and, uh, you know, we like to say that everybody has different baking times, but I think my buzzer just went off. (laughs) I feel like this is literally the end of an era in the life of Liquid Church, and that's a season when everything is explainable. You know, people look at our church and say, well, you know, that makes sense, I understand why people go there, they got a great band, Tim's a... Funny guy, you know, they got events and stuff. I I get why people go to that church. When Jesus promised that he was going to fill every believer, not just one, with God inside, the Holy Spirit, we talked about this last week, that the Spirit of God would no longer come on one person, but into the lives of every person in a new way. He literally said the Spirit of truth who lives with you and will be in you. Every single believer, there was this sense that a new chapter was about to open up in the story God was writing. A page got turned, so to speak, and things were never going to be the same again. And uh, as I was thinking about that this week, I was like, you know what? I don't want more of the same, you know, for the next five to ten years of a church. I don't want to lead a church that's explainable in, like, human terms. They can gather a crowd, we sing a few songs, hear a bit of inspiration, but maybe leaves fundamentally unchanged week after week, Sunday after Sunday. I literally have this like growing desire this hunger inside to experience the power of God in a very fresh way and see it grip our church. And things start happening that define human explanation because it's beyond our talents or our natural abilities. I'm not I'm not talking about like spooky supernatural stuff. I mean what I mean is that the love of Christ is so palpable that things start happening that are the opposite of what you see in the everyday world. You following me? People looked at our, our at our flawed family but they're forced to give Jesus the credit for what's happening here because it's, it's alive and yet it's humble and it's just dripping with evidence of the Spirit of God. Let me invite you just to open your Bible to Acts chapter 2. I want to show you what I'm talking about. Um, this is where I've been camping out and I've got some things I just want to share with you. If you are taking notes, <clears throat> I have some points if that's helpful to you. I want to look at three aspects of the Holy Spirit Really the promise of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus said, what that means for us today. We're going to look at the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it look like when God's Spirit literally blows into the life of a church in a fresh way? And then a practical step that you can take to experience more of God's power in your life. So the promise of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, a practical step you may need to take. They, they, um, I guess they all begin with P, which is not a sign of God's Spirit. That's just to help you remember that, okay? So let's take a look at this first, the promise. Last week we left off. We started with communion because it was at the Last Supper that Jesus told his greatest teaching about who the Holy Spirit would and what he would do in the life of the disciples. And then literally Jesus was nailed to a cross as he promised. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. And before he returned to heaven, he literally walked around for 40 days and taught the disciples. Did you know that? Most people kind of skip that. They think Jesus went right to heaven. But Jesus actually rose from the dead and then spent 40 days, over a month, teaching his disciples about this new chapter ahead. And typically, when someone rises from the dead to say something, you've got to assume it's pretty important, yeah? Watch this. Acts 1, 4, we read this. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John, baptized with water, but in a few days you will be what? Baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized as immersed or drenched or saturated in this whole new reality. And to be honest, I, I think the disciples had no idea what they were, should expect. It's like, was water going to fall out of heaven or something? But give them this. They waited. They waited. They believed Jesus wasn't bluffing but was going to make good on this promise. I mean, I wonder how many of us believe this promise is still true today that God's supernatural power and strength is still available because what you believe about that will be a game changer in your spiritual life. Last week I asked you a very simple question. I said, where do you most need God's counsel or comfort, his divine guidance or direction? And uh, honestly, if these connection cards are any indicator, we're people in need of God's direction in our lives. This person said, "Um, show me where my family is supposed to live, God. I feel like my decisions at work or like a high-stakes game of poker. Holy Spirit, show me the way. Jesus, show me where you want to go next in my career. You know I need to move on. Reveal to me what I need to do. This person wrote, I need God's counsel most in my role as a wife and a mom to my kids. God, please give me the right words and actions to teach them and lead them into adulthood by your Spirit. This person said, I need prayer direction on what to do with my life once I graduate this program in April please, please guide me. This person said, I need the Spirit to help repair the rift between me and my son. Our relationship has gotten to a place where we stand apart. I miss him even though we live in the same house. There were several couples asking God, said, would you literally raise our marriage from the dead because it is DOA. There are a lot of people who just said, there's a, gen, you know, a kind of a drifting, a sense of deadness in my life and I need a, a fresh new direction in that. And it's very interesting because the last thing that Jesus told his disciples was to wait for the gift my father promised. If you're like me, you have a hard time waiting because maybe you have a bias for action. We often like to get on with the job, even if it means actually running ahead of God at times. But waiting and actually listening for God's complete instructions is foundational to following the wild goose. That's what the Celtic Christians called God's Spirit. More about that in a minute. But my open questioning to you tonight is this. Is there an area of your life where you are actually in danger of running ahead of God's plans, the Spirit's leading? Because if you're like me, sometimes you've been guilty of what Mark Batterson calls inverted Christianity where we actually get it backwards. Instead of following God's spirit, we ask God's spirit to follow us. Okay? You'd ever do that one? Yeah, you're shaking your head. Instead of serving God's purposes, we ask him to serve our purposes. And while that seems like maybe that's a little subtle distinction, it makes an ocean of difference. Because the one results in this kind of self-absorbed spirituality that masquerades as growth but actually leads us feeling empty. But the other is actually very desperate to be so part of God's eternal plan and purposes that you're actually willing to wait for it. And again, to be totally honest, I have been guilty of this in the leadership of our church. For the first decade of our church's life, I've often gotten it backwards, feeling like I was the guy who needed to make things happen. I've got to come up with the next good idea, the next creative sermon series, the next interesting outreach, the next this or that. And then it's off to the races, and oh yeah, God, please be a part of whatever it is we're doing this week. If you were at Oktoberfest, you know I was sharing with the members of our church, trying to give give a little bit of an update on where we're going in the year to come. Uh, In this past year, we took a big step and became a multi-site church, one church meeting two locations. And when we announced that in 2008, I said, hey, this is the beginning of our vision. Over the next few years, we have a vision to become one church in four locations, right? One in the north, south, east, and west. Two more campuses. We're not sure yet. We said, you know, maybe there's one to the east, maybe more towards the city by Montclair, and we said, maybe one to the south, you know, a little bit more like Tom's River down the shore. And all the people from like Wall Township went, woo! There was like this big shore contingent. They were like parkway bound. <laughs> the reality is, we have no idea. <laughs> we're honestly not sure yet because we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. And more importantly, we don't want to get ahead of God. We have a lot more work ahead of us in 2010. New Brunswick is actually going to be celebrating its one-year anniversary this January. In fact, can we hear it from New Brunswick? Pastor Mike and his team down there, awesome job. You know the story, it actually started out, 125 people actually left Morristown, kind of pioneers, to go reach the city, and in just 10 months, it's actually an amazing story, the campus now serves about 400 people every Sunday. So if you catch that, in in a little under a year, it's went from 125 to 400, it's actually tripled in size, it's incredible, it's really neat to see that. But New Brunswick is a long-term investment in the people of Middlesex County. It's not this like little startup, then we just kind of leave it. It's actually not self-supporting yet. So that's one of the things that your tithes and your offerings go to. And we're going to continue to invest in that and grow our outreach to the families of Middlesex County because we believe they matter to God. And we're going to do that and pour into that until it's large enough to be self-supporting. But it's funny because now with a year's retrospect, I look back on that and I realize how presumptive it was to say, hey, we're going to s- become a church with four campuses. Bam! That's got a lot of assumptions built into it. But there's actually a lot of work to be done here in Morristown, in, in New Brunswick still. Just, just building these bodies up in, in, into health, actually taking each of us deeper into discipleship. So that we're growing actually organically. That's just happening and we're reproducing naturally. Not just executing a good strategy with some, you know, some strategic planning, maybe some clever marketing. And we just make things happen by human efforts. I don't want to run ahead of God. And so we're, we're going to wait. We're going to put the pause button. We're going to actually wait until we see him move unmistakably. And direct our next step as one church together. Does that make sense to you? Are you with me on that? I don't want to be guilty of inverted Christianity where we get it backwards, where we run ahead of God's plans. When I look at the book of Acts, I see people who felt like they were privileged to play a part in what God was doing and they were willing to wait and they prayed. Actually, verse 14 says this. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Let me encourage you to do the same thing. If you are facing an important decision or a difficult task... Do not rush into that work and just hope it kind of comes out the way it should. Instead, your first step should actually to be tuned into the Holy Spirit's power and divine guidance. That's what prayer is. It's literally asking God to activate his divine wisdom into your life and to do it through his strength, not your own. I think Acts is a good title for the book because it is all about activation, what happens when God's Spirit comes alive in your life and pours out of you and stuff starts happening. Because I look at what the disciples did, and I think they had no idea what to expect when Jesus said the Holy Spirit was going to come. But to their credit, they waited. They actually spent time praying. And that is when the power of God was released in an unmistakable way. Now, this is where it gets a little crazy, okay? This is where some of you get nervous, so hold on here. This is Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 1. It says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together... In one place. Pentecost was actually like Thanksgiving. It was a festival in Jerusalem for harvested crops. They gave thanks. So Jesus was crucified at Passover, and then Pentecost, Penta, see that, was held 50 days after that. And it says this Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And this is kind of crazy because basically, the first mark of a church that's filled with the Holy Spirit is that He sets everyone's heads on fire. All right? I, 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 seriously, have you ever been to a church service like that? I understand. We got candles up here. I overdo the Aquanet. I get it. This wasn't, this was not accidental. <laughs> This is a holy moment and it has tremendous significance because fire symbolized the purifying presence of God. It was literally a picture of God burning away the sinful, prideful elements in their lives so that their hearts could actually catch fire and ignite the lives of others. And it's significant that the fire actually separated and came to rest on each person. You might know this in the Old Testament in Mount Sinai, right? Fire from heaven boom, it was to confirm the Old Testament law. The Israelites followed a pillar of fire by night, and they just, they, 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 but here in Acts, what happens? The fire separates, and it falls on every one of them, signifying one thing. It is no longer about one person, but the Holy Spirit will be on every believer in them, guiding every man or woman who trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior. This is a supernatural transfer of power, and that church was never the same. I mean, imagine that. What would that be like if that happened right now? Okay? About nine years ago, back in the day, when Liquid was in Basking Ridge, I remember preaching one time, and uh, in the middle of the message, there was like this storm, and this enormous wind started rattling the windows and stuff. And it was like, you kind of, know, you had that before. But then all of a sudden, the, like, the, the roof started shaking. Folks like, started looking up and everything, and literally sounded like the roof was going you know, get, to get ripped off. It was the closest I've ever been to being Pentecostal. I was like, whoa, Holy Ghost power. But actually, it wasn't. It was a tornado. It was very rare. <laughs> it set down in Somerset County. And when and we went outside, it was amazing because it was serious damage. Trees uprooted everywhere. Telephone lines down. But the church was untouched. Like it skipped right over. It was very weird. The exact opposite thing happens here. A violent wind actually, boom, hits the church. And everyone's head catches fire. Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They spoke in tongues, and this wasn't gibberish. Tongues were languages. Look at your footnotes. This is about dialects. See, at Pentecost, Jerusalem was filled with people of other nationalities from distant lands. They fled in the city, and all of a sudden, the Spirit comes, and the disciples begin speaking different dialects or languages. If you look at verses 5 through 11 here, this is very interesting. Look at what it says here. From Asia, from Egypt, all the way to Rome, right? It says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, The people didn't know what to make of it. It says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? The people from Italy went, Mamma mia! Que pasa? What's happening here? I mean, imagine again if that started happening right now. I just started speaking Korean, okay, at this moment. You'd be like, wait, what the? I started speaking hip-hop. And you're like, oh my goodness, that's amazing for him. <laughs> Violent wind, heads on fire, Tongues supernaturally speaking and communicating the gospel in a language that everyday people could understand. There is nothing normal about this. This is a supernatural day in Christian history, and yet this is supposed to be the new normal in every church that's led by God's Spirit. I don't mean people stand up and start talking crazy. I'm talking about, because God's Spirit, we're told in the Bible, actually brings unity. The Bible says spiritual gifts are to serve the common good. Right now I'm exercising my gift of teaching, helping you understand. It brings clarity to the gospel, not confusion. But fresh wind, in other words, the spirit blows, and in this church there's a tangible sense of God's presence. Though we can't see it or touch it, you can feel it, you sense it's there. Does that describe most church services? Or are they more like funerals? Kind of solemn and and, and dirge-like, going through the motions, because God's spirit always brings life to the party fresh fire not crazy babble but communicating the gospel message of jesus in a language that others who are far from god actually understand this passage right here is one of the main reasons the celtic christians called the holy spirit on ged gloss or the wild goose because you think of a dove and it's what sound does a dove make you know soft cooing right but here when the spirit falls what is it like It's loud, man. It's a cacophony. It is raucous as God's power just pours out. My question is, do people look at our church and because of our our uncommon unity and power in communicating the gospel, say, man, those folks are on fire. They're just drenched in in, in a God thing. I guess that's why they call it liquid. (laughs) Or, Or is it all explainable? Well, you know, there's probably a human explanation for this. It's funny. In verse 13, look at this. Someone offers this hilarious explanation for all the noise. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've been drinking. They've had too much wine. That's why they call it liquid. (laughs) Peter actually responds. He says, no, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. Look at verse 15. He's like, it's a bit early for mojitos, guys, okay? 9 a.m. service. Starbucks, yes. Jägermeister, no. He says, no, 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 no. This is what was being spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on who? All people and then he says your sons and your daughters will prophesy they'll they'll tell people about jesus your young men will see visions your old men will dream dreams even my servants both men and women i'll pour out my spirit in and they'll prophesy what prophesy means to preach or tell others with uncommon clarity about jesus christ when the bible says in the last days it means from now on this is the new normal my question is is this what happens in in our church. Again, don't misunderstand. Look at it look at the larger principle here. We're not going to call you up here lay hands on you and say you got to you got to start speaking, you know, Brazilian. The new normal for God's people is supernatural power that can be seen in the life of every single believer in the place. Men and women, young and old, this fire in the belly where the presence of God is so unmistakable that lives, people look at it and can't help but say, what in the world got into them? I mean, right now, let me ask, can I just ask you, because some of you are sitting there kind of looking at me, and I actually can't even read you because you're just like this. Does this fire you up at all? Or does it just make you go, wow, that's like, that's incredible, dude. Yeah. What got into Tim? He's reading something. I don't. We're going to Arby's afterwards. There was an unmistakable transfer of power here in the lives of early Christians from the leadership of man to the leadership of God, and there's supposed to be one in ours as well. Receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in your life means you abandon your own self generating life and you don't run under your own power anymore. And that the power that actually resurrected Jesus from the dead is now available to fire the engine of your life in a brand new way, especially if you feel stuck or stalled and you're in need of a jump start. not much of a mechanic, so when something goes wrong with my ride, I got problems. I mean, even something as small as a dead battery, and I'm helpless. I'm desperate for anybody to help. Basic underlying assumption in all of life is that human beings are stranded and in need of rescue. And uh, I don't know what kind of car Jesus would drive, but the Bible says he sees us in our distress He's the one who can come to our
0: rescue.
1: The Christian life is all about a transfer of power. Although Jesus is the one who forgives our sins and saves us, it's the Holy Spirit who's like a set of jumper cables, actually transferring the power of God's life into our dead battery, our dead life. It's, um, does anybody know how to do this? (laughs) It's, It's easy.
0: Red is dead. In the
1: book of Acts, when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit on all believers. It was like he, he supercharged them. He, he, he let this electricity of God flow to their dead lives. He actually said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Greek word there for power is dynamos. It means dynamite. It means there's an explosion of God's power being transferred from his life to ours. That same right. transfer of power is available right. to every believer today. No matter how stuck or stalled your life may seem, God's Spirit can literally jumpstart your life and send it in a brand new direction. Dude, thank you so much. Not you a problem at you all. are a lifesaver. I appreciate it, man. Hey, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Come here, come here, No, oh, no! come here. What are you doing? All for, for Jesus. Jesus. Woo! <laughs> Back
0: here. What's going on? Come here. Ah.
1: All for Jesus. How would you describe your spiritual battery, literally? Is it, is it running low? Or would you be like, dude, I'm, I'm the one stuck or stalled. You talk about Spiritual journey, I'm the one who's got the blinkers on, hazards on, sitting on the side of the road. Everyone zipping by me, and I read this kind of thing, and it seems overblown language because I've never experienced God on that level. I've never had him. Could he really do that? The same power that resurrected Christ from the dead can come into my life today. Could that really happen? Or are you just talking crazy talk? This is what God wants to do in every single one of our lives. Jumpstart a dead or stalled life and bring it to life in a way that literally the life of Christ comes out of us and ignites others. You can't do it yourself. That's why you're tired. That's why you're stalled, because you thought it's about, well, me kind of jumpstarting my thing. The amazing thing is when he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, The word for power here is dunamis. It's where we get our word, anybody? Dynamite. There should be this explosion. In other words, when our lives are harnessed to the power of God, everything changes and becomes supercharged. Jesus was like, your new reality is going to be like a powder keg because your life, when Christ is in it, is going to start to spark it's going to arc, and you're going to be changed, and the people around you are going to be changed as well. And that's exactly what we see happen in Acts 2. It sparked, and it literally caught fire. It went from Jerusalem to Asia to Rome to Africa like wildfire. If you want to jumpstart this week, i probably do it a little bit in your life groups. Read the first seven chapters of Acts, man. It's craziness. Peter, like, preaches the first sermon. They're like, what are you guys so jazzed about? What is all this? And he's like, you got to understand something. You murdered God. You nailed Jesus to a cross because of your selfish arrogance and pride. And they're like, wait a minute, what? He goes, And he was resurrected and he wants to forgive your sins now. And they're like, what are we supposed to do? And he's like, repent and be baptized. And 3,000 people are baptized. Boom! In a single day. It's like instant megachurch. Just add water. Crazy stuff started happening. People lived differently. There was an outbreak. It's not swine flu. It was called radical generosity because they were so consumed with the life of Jesus, they realized, oh my gosh, the whole point of life is about him. They sold their houses and land. They pooled their money. Acts 4.34, it literally says, it says, there were what? No needy persons among them. Catch this. They wiped out poverty. You want to talk about supernatural? What church does this? Hey, during opening worship today, I'd like you to bring the keys to your Lexus. Just kind of leave them on here. We're going to distribute that to all the people uh, who have nothing this fall. What the? (laughs) Sell it. It was crazy. Persecution breaks out. It was a threat to the power structure. And instead of quieting them down, they stone Stephen and things just blows up. It fans out across the region. Acts 8 says this. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. But those who'd been scattered, what did they do? They preached the word wherever they went. Generosity, supernatural strength, boldness about who Jesus was fire in their belly. See, Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit to found an institution for people to give an hour on Sunday. He came to jumpstart a movement that would change the face of humanity. And the message was crystal clear. In case you missed it, Peter says in Acts 2.38, he says, here it is, ready? Repent and what? Be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit a fire in the valley it's amazing but that idea of repent it literally means some people say it means to turn from your sins and does but the literally it is like it's like turn and change your mind think a new thought realize that you've said, you know what, i got about 70 years and I'm going to kind of do this deal because my life is anything but God-centered. It's actually all about me. I'm going to make the decisions. I'm going to direct my paths. Selfishness, that's literally what sin is. I'm going to do life under my own strength and power instead of God's. And that's why Jesus came, to show us it could be different. When he died on the cross, folks, it was literally for one purpose, It was to reconnect us to the power and love of our Heavenly Father and put a brand new power into our dead life. Peter's like, you are the ones who killed God. You're so self-centered and arrogant. But he came back to life, he took our sins onto himself, and now he died in our place and gives us his new life. That's a swap. How about that? Our sin for his power. That's what the cross is. The Bible is clear about this. So anybody who says, Jesus, I, I'm sorry, forgive my sins, bring me to life, literally gets a brand new start, and God jumpstarts our life by his spirit. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Life can be different. You can walk out of here with the life of God inside of you. It's not our doing. Jesus was the gift, and he can fill every broken life, and the promise is still good today question is, some of you are like, I I sort of know that here, but how do I activate that here, that 18 inches? Repent and be what? Baptized, every one of you, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Your first step is to repent. The second step is be baptized. Uh, Who, me? No, every one of you. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, here is a very practical step You can take this fall. Get baptized. In this church, on November 22nd, some of you have never taken the step of publicly identifying your faith in Christ. And honestly, that may be one of the reasons you have a power outage. (laughs) Because from the beginning, baptism has been one of God's chosen symbols to catalyze the Holy Spirit's power in the life of a believer. And if you have ever witnessed baptisms live here at Liquid, you know this. It is a moving experience to see people's lives literally changed by the power of God. We each have a name and a purpose in God's tapestry of life. And when we're able to embrace our identity in Jesus Christ, and we're able to connect, become, and accept who we're created to be, that's when life truly begins.
0: Christ started um, actually I always believed in God my whole life I grew up in the Catholic Church and I went to church every Sunday and I always believed that there was a God and that Jesus existed and that you know he died on the cross for my sins I always believed that in my head Um, but um, that's kind of as far as it went for me I remember one night all my friends went out and I didn't really feel like going um, so I stayed behind and I I never, I mean, I, I had always prayed, but I never prayed like this before. And I, I literally just got down on my knees and I just started crying. I just kept saying to God, I need you. I need you just, um, just over and over. And I was just like kind of pouring my heart out to him. And it was the first time that I really felt like he heard me and and he was there.
1: The Lord Gregory, upon your profession of faith, Having placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes fire begins with water. Sometimes fire begins with water. I would like us to actually read God's word together. We want to say it out loud or actually give this right back to God. Let's read this together. Repent and what? Be baptized, every one of you, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to experience more of God's Spirit? Do you want to go deeper? Be baptized this fall. Why? Because from the very beginning, baptism has served as a catalyst to new life in Christ. Jesus himself was baptized. But I don't think I need to be. He went down into the Jordan River himself. He came out of the water. And the heavens opened. The Holy Spirit came down. And he was empowered for ministry. A next level moment in his mission to save this broken world. When we're baptized, we're identifying with the life of Christ. In baptism today, it remains one of those defining moments, honestly. I think when God pours out his spirit in a unique way in our lives. One of the main reasons is because under your own power, man, it takes something to get up in front of people, in front of a hot tub, in front of a a sea room of people, and go in that chilly water and be like, oh man, I'm going to tell people about Jesus in my life. Whoa. You need supernatural strength, and something internal happens when you go into that water and you proclaim, you know what? It's not about me anymore. My life is dead. It's now about Jesus. Baptism, actually, this is fascinating. It actually comes from the ancient practice of dyeing a piece of cloth. You would take the old piece of cloth, submerge it in ink, and it comes out saturated, a brand new color. That's the idea. When you're baptized, you're identifying with the death of Jesus. I'm going under the water. I'm burying my old life of sin behind where it's stubborn and it's all about me, and I'm being raised to new life in the Spirit of Christ. You are washed clean. You are made new. You are saturated with His Holy Spirit, God inside. It's why so many people, after being baptized, they kind of—they often say, like, "Oh man, I was like on a spiritual high the rest of the week." It's more than adrenaline. It's about activating God's Spirit in your life in a new way. Even if you were, um, maybe you were baptized as a child. Honestly, you should consider being baptized as an adult. Someone asked me that. They said, "You know, I was sprinkled as an infant. Does that like cancel that?" It does not negate or diminish what your parents did for you. That was a powerful moment. If you, were, if you were baptized as an infant or sprinkled, that was a demonstration of your parents' love, their care and concern, actually, for your spiritual well-being. Being baptized as an adult does not negate that. Not at all. But now that you're an adult and you're actually recognizing the magnitude of what God did for you, Jesus laid down his life for you, he's preparing a place for you, you're giving your life back to him, you, this is a huge next step. This is huge. And honestly, it could be a powerful turning point for some of you, especially if you felt that maybe the Holy Spirit has been kind of unactivated or just kind of sleeping in your life. Baptism can be a spiritual catalyst in your journey because sometimes fire begins with water. So if you are ready to ignite your relationship with God, I'm just going to simply say, do, do what he says. Repent and be baptized. Who? Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. I always thought it stopped there. Good, my sins are forgiven. Now I just kind of, I don't know, try to stop sinning. (laughs) No. And you will receive the gift of the God inside, the Holy Spirit inside of you. It is a promise. And this is a practical step you can take to experience God's power. Sign up for baptism is really easy. You probably saw the baptism booth in the lobby there. Um, We actually have a baptism bags they put put together because I know this is confusing for some people. We put a CD message in there called Sprinkle, Dip, or Dunk. What's the deal with baptism? Hmm. So get that, pick that up on your way out. Sign up on liquidchurch.com to be baptized on November 22nd because that's the culmination of our Holy Spirit series. We said what more powerful thing could happen? And honestly, I am already praying for an outpouring of God's spirit and power on that Sunday. Because, guys, I don't, I don't want to be part of a church where everything's explainable. What I, what I mean by that is we've got a good thing going on here at Liquid. I love this church. I have a long-term call on my life to serve and lead here, no doubt. But sometimes I look around at everything that goes on, and sometimes, honestly, I think, What part of this is really supernatural? What what part is truly evidence of God's spirit that is just doing stuff beyond our talents and our natural abilities? I'm reading this incredible book by Francis Chan. It's called Forgotten God. And he says this. He says, let's be honest. If you combine a charismatic speaker, a talented worship band, and some hip creative events, people will attend your church. Yet this does not mean that the Spirit of God is actively working and moving in the lives of the people who are coming. Here's the part that pierced me. It simply means that you have created a space that is appealing enough to draw people in for an hour or two on Sunday. Oh, man. I was praying about this, and I was literally like, how much of what happens at our church is explainable? in human terms, like the world looks and says, wow, you know, oh, a thousand something people, that makes sense, you know, killer band, you know, Tim seems like a you know, funny guy, they did a series on uh, movies or rock music, people like that, I get it, you know. That's the superficial side of spirituality, where you gauge spiritual success by the size of a crowd, what's happening above the line, what people can see, but the difference is this, God's not interested in numbers. When it comes to his bride, he cares most about her faithfulness, not her size. He cares about whether people are passionately in love with him, truly desperate for his power in their life. I don't want to look at Liquid honestly in a year or two from now and say, wow, you know, 2,000, 3,000, good good strategy, guys. That's superficial stuff. I want there to be supernatural evidence that the Spirit of God is in us because lives are being changed, marriages literally are being resurrected. People are falling crazy in love with Jesus, not a worship style, not my style, and none of it can happen except by the power of God. The fire has to fall. Do you feel that desperation? Does anybody feel that desperation? Anybody? Even the desire for more of God's spirit is a gift itself. Some of you, today is your day. God wants to jumpstart your dead life, literally. Some of you need to take a first step. You need to literally give your life to Christ right now because you've been resisting, not sure. You're attacking it through your head, but this is your moment. You need to take that first step, and many of you need to take the next step and be baptized. If you've been holding off, my question is, why in the world would you wait? Sign up as soon as we leave here, November 22nd. Our staff is praying for something unexplainable to happen. For there to be scores of people who come forward to go under the water and be raised to new life that Sunday. I want to see God's spirit more. Do you? And let's do this. Let's pray right now. We're going to ask him just to send his fire in a fresh way on us. Father, that's our desire and we're allowing ourselves to go there because we're being led by your word and by your Holy Spirit. And so right now, Father, I ask for every man and woman in this room who even just feels a hint, a spark right now in their heart, Father, whether that's emptiness, whether that's the shattering a little bit of maybe some of their pride or resistance to you, I pray right now by your Spirit that, Lord, you will just pour your love supernaturally into them, Lord. Let them feel love, not fear, Lord, let themselves go there. I pray right now, God, as a church. Lord, I, I actually, first, I'm the one who repents first. And Lord, I have, I've repented to you privately. I do that publicly. Father, I, I, I am sorry. I am sorry when I've run ahead of you. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for relying on my own strength at times to lead this church. And Lord, I just ask you to, to, to take your anointed role. You are the only pastor and shepherd that we have and guide us, Father this year and the year to come. I pray for a tremendous worship response even now, Father. I pray that the presence of your Spirit would be palpable in this place, in this moment, and people would leave changed. And we ask that in the good, good name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior. And all God's people said together, Amen.